Entering the Freedom Hut. It's time for wartime conservatism. Florida won't roll back to lockdown. Trump's L-E-O-E-O is signed. Mike Gundy bends the knee and playgrounds are shut, but protests are open. Coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everyone. I am continuing to try to raise the alarm here about what I see coming. I'm trying to make sure everyone understands what we face right now, because we still keep going back. When you're dealing with insanity, you, you return to this hope that there will be sanity eventually among those who have made crazy decisions in the past, that, that somehow reason and rationality and truth and data and all that stuff will matter more than emotion and politics. Just give it time. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The left, I keep telling you, is insane. I've been saying it for months, if not years. And now I think it's beyond any reasonable doubt. And I'm getting the sense that people believe that we can wait this out, that if we just bend the knee enough Make enough changes, give up enough offerings to the woke mob that this time, this too shall pass. Now, as a technical matter, yes, this will pass. This era will certainly pass. We will be moving into a future. What is that future going to look like? The left is in a position to dictate so much of our daily lives, so much of everything going on around you. Wherever you are in the country, whatever business you're in, whatever your home life is like, the left has a say in it and is influencing you in ways that are clearly authoritarian and that seek to stamp out freedom, individual thought and any kind of opposition to the overall agenda, the left wing Marxist agenda that they have been pushing on this country in different times for and in different ways, stretching back now for as long as Marxism has been around, really, at least in America. So this is not this is not new, but it's worse. And that's why I want to put on my Paul Revere hat, if I can, and try to rally everybody. Because as it stands right now, if we just continue to allow the media to dictate the terms, to allow the mob to demand knee bending and we just keep our heads down. We on the right, we conservatives, and I don't just mean people in elected office or in the public eye, in the media. I mean everybody. If we all live in the constant fear of giving offense to people who are perpetually offended, we will cede the very freedoms upon which this country is built, the most basic legal and constitutional protections we have, And we will quickly be in a different society, a different civilization than the one that we thought we were. If you can't speak freely, act freely, think freely, where exactly are you free? We use this word freedom a lot. What does it mean now? Do you feel as though you will suffer no consequences if you were to speak out in an HR meeting about a new program designed to make sure that there's greater inclusiveness can you say, well, hold on a second. Would you raise your hand and say, I, I, I'm concerned that we might be 
lowering standards for what is effectively a social justice and social engineering goal. When I just want to be in the best company with the best people, I don't care you know, who they are, what color they are. I just want to be around the best people. I just want to win, right? Whether you're selling cars or, you know, building uh, office towers or, you know, whatever you're doing. You just want to be around the best, right? Isn't that, you, isn't that a normal competitive capitalist impulse? You want the best people you can find? Would you be comfortable saying that at an HR meeting? I can tell you this. Even if you think you would be, you're not safe. Can't say that. Not allowed to say that. Can you make a joke, even if everyone knows it's a joke and it's well-intentioned and in good faith, and be sure that you won't possibly be fired, that you won't become a target of the online digital mob? I mean, any of you listening to this, how many of these videos have you seen in recent weeks about this or that Karen, right? This derogatory term used for a white female, often liberal. It seems interesting that that doesn't really matter, but a white female who complains about something or who is caught being a a little bit too much of a stickler for the rules or whatever it may be. They're not public figures. They're just people who got caught on video. You too could be made the subject of a national news story and campaign of personal destruction based upon doing nothing wrong. But the, the goalposts move every day. What's acceptable changes every day, and that's part of where the left's power is. You are meant to live in perpetual fear of giving offense, of being on the wrong side of wokeness. That is not a bug. That is a feature. They intend for this to be the case. They want this to be the case. That's why so many of us have these frustrations that are bubbling up, but then we have to suppress them more. These frustrations. Why can't we have an honest discussion about what's really going on with policing and violence and violence in African-American communities in this country and ways that that might be constructively addressed to try and prevent people from being killed or being maimed or wounded or beaten or raped or assaulted. Why can't we have a good faith discussion? No, we're not having a discussion at all. It's a lecture. It's always a lecture. And it's not enough for you to sit there quietly and say, oh, I I. And being respectful of this browbeating that I'm receiving. It is, thank you, sir. Give me another one. Thank you, sir. Tell me more. I'm so sorry. Please, please punish me for my unwoke sins. And once you've prostrated yourself in that way, as we see happening time and again, and it's not, it's not just... The stories you're hearing about, trust me, this is happening. I have people reaching out to me in private who know me who are saying, I can't believe this. They're sending me emails from their HR departments or from corporate about Black Lives Matter and having to show respect for this protest. It's a political movement. It's a political movement with the single the, the single most powerful asset it has is to set up a name that if you don't immediately agree to everything that the movement wants, you disagree with what the name says. So you must not care about black lives. You're a racist. That is, the, that is 90% of the trick when it comes to the propaganda. That is 90% of why people can't even discuss this. They're terrified. Everyone's running for cover. Republicans, Republicans in the Senate are running for cover. What the heck is going on? They think this is going to stop. They think they can keep feeding the crocodile, so to speak, and hoping that it eats them last. The crocodiles are eating people all over the place. 
You don't have to burn down every village. You only have to burn down one to send the message. This is old counterinsurgency thinking, right? Or insurgency thinking. People understand what it means to speak out. They understand, and so they don't. For every person that you hear about who's getting fired, there are 100 people who say, well, I kind of agreed. I have a, I have a One American News t-shirt. I have a Fox News hat. I've got a Trump bumper sticker. Better scrape that off my car. Don't want the corporate HR folks to see it in the parking lot and then decide next time there's cuts or even if there are no cuts, I got to go. Just don't think you're a good fit, Bob. Just think that you're not really linked up with our cultural institutional goals here. Because you don't agree with a movement that is saying defund cops that cops are racist murderers, that gives cover to looters and vandals and rioters, does not condemn them, doesn't focus on that, bend the knee, bake that cake, do as you're told. We think this will go away if we wait it out? They are gaining ground every day. They are on offense and we are on defense. We can either understand that reality or we can just continue to cede ground. How do you get ground back, you might ask? How can you turn this around? By standing alongside those who stand up. I mean, if you you don't want to be somebody who goes into the fray yourself, if you don't want to be someone like me, that's fine. I understand. But what about those who do that? Are you supporting them? Are you there for them? If someone gets fired for some nonsense reason and you're in a position to give that person a job, are you going to step up? I don't mean the big famous cases. I mean anybody. Are you going to try and make reasoned, rational arguments in the face of the mob, whether it's in your company or at your, in your school, in your university, sitting around shooting the breeze with a bunch of folks at a party, whatever it may be? Are you going to speak up? Are you going to have your voice heard? And be prepared for the consequences. I'm not saying this is risk-free, but that's why I want to tell you this. We need wartime conservatives. And we need them right now. Here's why. We are losing. It has taken four years, but finally the Democratic Party has fully turned the tide against the Trump movement. Now, look, the president was able to withstand the insane witch hunt of Russia collusion, the absurd Ukraine phone call, impeachment mess, and the endless institutional scheming of the institutional left. That's for sure. Every sane person in this country should realize that the Democrat Party and all its appendages in the media are completely insane. The backlash that should be coming from the insanity of this movement has yet to manifest itself. In fact, it hasn't happened at all. The Black Lives Matter movement has the elites prostrating themselves faster than Nancy Pelosi on one knee on the floor of the Capitol building. All across the country, people are just begging and scraping the ground and pleading, please, please, don't have the eye of Sauron turn on me now. Don't ruin me. Don't call me a racist. Don't say I'm unwoke. Don't cancel me. Who's standing up to this? I can think of a handful of people who are really taking the fight back to the other side on this. And all that means is standing up for principles, principles of decency and truth, principles of virtue and honor. Are these now eccentricities? Do we not care about those anymore? 
Where is our champion in this fight? We know that President Trump has been an incredible brawler against the left for years, and he has an almost superhuman resilience. But I see trouble right now. He, like Atlas, in a sense, has been carrying the Trump movement on his shoulders, and I think the weight may have just gotten too heavy recently. He is in the midst of fighting a once-in-a-century pandemic, as well as the mass mobilization of Democrats' anti-Trump rage and the exploitation of the COVID pandemic by those enraged Democrats. He is fighting a two-front war. Where are the reinforcements? Where are the wartime conservatives? I ask you that. Who is stepping up? Who's willing to really take the heat? Certainly no one in corporate America that I can see. Nobody in professional sports that I can see. A handful of people in conservative media. Very few Republicans. Very few. They're all now trying to vote on a police reform package. The left-wing mob is seizing this moment. They know that whether they're making demands in the street or in the boardrooms of the most powerful corporations in the world, the Facebooks, the Googles, the YouTubes, you name it, their demands are listened to with all haste. People don't say that's unreasonable. They don't question the premise. They just don't want to be a target. Or they are complicit in all of this. They like the possibility of a reformed, remade America. They think that the possibility of revolution here is something that should be celebrated. A cultural and political revolution at a minimum. Bernie Sanders was promising no less. This is the rhetoric that they have been using. They just did not have the momentum. Now the movement thinks that it might be able to do just that. They're calling it Black Lives Matter. This is the institutional left. This is the Democratic Party. They're just using different facades and different techniques of propaganda and brainwashing and public pressure and coercion to create what is effectively a secular religious movement. That's why you have people washing feet and begging for forgiveness for the sins of their whiteness. That's why when I go out and see the protests here in New York City, there are all these female white sociology majors who I'm sure have parents making, you know, one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year of household income. And all they can talk about is how woke they are and how much they care about minority communities. Oh, I'm sure they've done so much to help people in impoverished and crime riddled neighborhoods. Oh, yes. They uh, they've put up black squares on Instagram. What else could you ask for? The left wing mob is seizing this moment and they are on offense and we are on defense. And in politics, when you are on defense, you are losing. We need to understand this. We need wartime conservatism. That means we need Americans from elected officials all the way into the media and down to every Day, folks, people listening to this right now across the country, if you have the stomach for it, if you have the principles for it, if you're in a position to, and not everybody is, I don't, I don't want you going off and getting fired because you're at some left wing institution and, you know, you, you say something in a meeting. No, 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 no. Pick your battles. Don't charge the machine gun nests without a plan to take them. But everybody who has a who's in a position to everybody who's not worried about paying the bills the next few months or everybody who's able to exert some influence or and this is the other way, 
be a part of the support for those who are frontline warriors. Yeah, this is this is clearly in my own interest, right, to say this to you, because I'm out there trying to make this case as publicly as I can and taking all kinds of heat and hatred. People I haven't spoken to in 20 years who always thought I was wonderful, always thought I was a great guy, someone you could count on, send me horrible messages. Why? Because they've seen I don't I don't support Black Lives Matter. Clearly, I never internalized the messages of the Jesuits who taught me. Clearly, I don't really believe any of the Judeo-Christian, any of the Catholic doctrine that I spent decades studying and internalizing. No, 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 none of, none of that. Oh, I'm, a, I'm now a bad person because I don't support a movement that says defund cops. Cops are racist murderers. And oh, how about some Marxism and the Green New Deal while we're at it? We need to mobilize. Our ideological opponents have already done so. What are we going to do in response? We need wartime conservatives now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I want to add, my friends, as I'm telling you to be wartime conservatives, uh, that this is going to be a challenging fight. We have ceded the choke points of the digital world to the authoritarian left. Our ideological opponents have seized all the major institutions of our culture. An overwhelming majority, 95% of the news media, Hollywood, the Academy, and now most of corporate America are in their hands. And so that means that if you mobilize against them, there will be losses, so to speak. People are going to get deplatformed, canceled, and fired. But the great purge is already happening. They're going to keep doing it. So what's up to all of us is to figure out, do we stand for our principles and get into this fight or wait for the woke mob to come for you? But I can assure you of one thing, come for you, they will, because they already are. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I thought it was a good day. I thought it was a strong day for the country. I'm glad the president was willing to take up the issue that so many of us have been talking about all of our lives. And frankly, I started this journey five years ago in earnest, working on the Walter Scott Notification Act. And to be here now with the president signing an executive order that deals with some of the more important issues from the taxes like the chokehold to the importance of co-responders, those folks who have med- mental health issues or addiction issues. Uh, this president has done something that almost uh, all the, uh, the folks on the other side said he would never do. And he found a path forward. And I will say thanks to the president for listening on this important issue. Well, I want to say that it's pretty simple what's going on here. And look, I, I, I think that Senator Tim Scott, from all that I hear, is, is, a really, is a really good guy, and he's trying to do the best he can under very difficult political circumstances. And it's true of a, true of a bunch of Republicans. But here, just generally speaking, with the GOP and with the Senate GOP in particular, um, I, I just want us all to be living in reality. OK, and, and here is reality. The Senate GOP didn't suddenly discover major deficiencies in policing that require legislative action. This is not, this executive order, going to make us all safer. This is not going to make systemic racism in policing go away. And nobody thought it would before the killing of George Floyd, and nobody thinks it will after the killing of George Floyd. This does not address the problems that we are all talking about. But here's what it does. GOP officials are scared 
that the woke mob will call them racist, so they are scrambling. And so what do we have here yet again? Bend that knee, Republicans. Bend it. Come on, GOP. Don't fight back. Don't speak truthfully and honestly to the American people about the insanity of defund the police and the Capitol Hill Occupy protest in Seattle declaring an autonomous country where police can't go inside. I mean, this is just Looney Tunes, left-wing college campus stuff that has spread like a virus all throughout the culture, all throughout society. And the Marxist crybabies are making big decisions now. You can't go to a major corporation and have your opinion and speak honestly. They are effectively outlawing our political beliefs, folks. Do you recognize that? And they're also mandating through legal mechanisms dishonesty from you or else. It should not be lost on any of you that in this same week, while Republicans are saying, yeah, let's, you know, and hey, I'm going to say it. And you guys can give me all the heat in the world. I do not care what people say about honest criticism about this president. Okay, I mean, I when I say I do not care, I'm not going to back off what I think is honest criticism of the president right now, which is where is he on all this stuff? Who's telling him to sign an executive order on policing? Policing is not a federal matter in the cases we're talking about. You're looking at local law enforcement, state police, the federal government signing an EO. What's this going to do? Going to give additional guidance, better data sharing? Oh, yeah, that'll stop of 50 people a year, 100 people a year who are unarmed for being shot by cops in a nation of 320 million people where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of homicides and rapes and murders and burglaries and all these things every year. You have less than 100 people unarmed killed by cops every year. And we think of doing this. Oh, it's not really about that. It's about systemic racism and policing. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Do we have systemic misogyny in policing? Look at every statute in every jurisdiction in the country. See, this is this is a real conversation now. We can have real thoughts here on this show. At least until the cancel left comes for me. They're going to, by the way. So get ready for it, team. We'll have to d- establish the mobile pirate freedom hut. Producer Mark and I will be on some old barge off the coast blasting our radio signals or something. I mean, you know, the, the cancel left... They're nuts. They're going to they're going to come after everybody who's effective on this one is police. Ask yourself this question. Walk through this intellectual exercise with me. Is police work in this country uh, systemically? I'm sorry, I said misogynistic, and that would be the wrong way of looking at it. It would be uh, is it is it hateful toward men? Right. Uh, Is it uh, and producer Mark, tell me I'm, I'm blanking on. There's a word for for man hatred. And no, I don't mean liberal feminist. Although um, there's, you know, there's uh, misogyny and the thing to find out what the word for me for man hatred is, because that's what I'm trying to misandry misandry. Thank you. Misandry. Is law enforcement guilty of sexual discrimination against men? Misandry. Because if it's not, you're going to have to explain to me why there are. So many more. I mean, the proportion of of, if you're talking about violent crime, it's 95 percent dudes. It's 95 percent men. So, I mean, clearly men and women are equal. 
So there should be as many women getting prosecuted for violent crimes as men. What's going on here? We we need a radical rethink of law enforcement in this country to get to the bottom of why men are being locked up for violent crimes instead of women. That's really stupid, right? They're locking up people who commit violent crimes. Any human being who commits a violent crime, these laws are gender and race and nationality and religion and you name it, neutral, right? You kill somebody, you commit murder, you go to prison. Doesn't doesn't matter if, if, you know, 10 Amish people do it or a thousand people from, you name it, you know? It doesn't matter. So what, what exactly is the data that we're looking at? Now, now that we've established that just disparity in prosecution is not the same thing as establishing that a system is inherently biased against a group of people, where I, I want more of this evidence that there is in law enforcement, uh, that there is a, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I, I want someone to point me to the systemic racism in law enforcement that we are supposed to address. What, what is it? If we're just going to look at percentages of rates of incarceration, is the claim then that people are going to prison, that the prisons are full of innocent people? What exactly are, is being said here? Now, remember, they keep they keep shifting. They keep moving. Oh, wait, no, this is about George Floyd. Oh, that was terrible what they did to George Floyd. That that was I mean, it was manslaughter. I've said it was murder. I think quite honestly, the charge is and will be manslaughter and he will be found guilty of it. Uh, and he will serve a very long prison sentence for it. And it was a terrible thing that he did. All right. But that's already happening. So, oh, no, we need a rethink of the justice system. Republicans are all scrambling to find some way to placate the ideology of the left right now when we can't even talk about what the ideology of the left is really going for. What are they trying to accomplish? Why is President Trump signing an executive order on this? Does, does anyone ever, you know, stop and think about it? I think that there's, and I've heard, that there are people that are in close contact with him who think that he needs to do this right now. They, you know, they, they feel the pressure of the woke mob and they are demanding that the president make a concession. The president bent the knee to extend the lockdown, and the left saw that as a breach in the walls of Trumpism. And they've, they've been exploiting that and going after that ever since. Because did he get, does he get any credit? People would say, oh, but Buck, if he didn't, they'd say that he, you know, that all the, all the dead bodies from COVID were on his watch, uh, or, or were his fault, rather. Um, are they, are they saying that now? Because they are. So what exactly did he gather by bending the knee to the so-called public, uh, public health experts and the shutdown mob? Nothing. He gained nothing. So why did he do that? Well, now here we are, and the president... Look, I, I give the president credit. At least he's saying that shutting down the police is crazy and the cops are generally doing a good job. Um, but, I mean, here, the, the, the ink is and hold on hold on before i get into the the actual executive order text a little bit more or what it does here's what the president says and and this is true he's doing good things look i'm trying to help the guy because i don't want this movement that is putting people out on the streets to chant and and shriek and a media that pretends that covid isn't really a risk for them anymore uh in the protest but they're still locking down playgrounds we'll get to that later I, i don't want this movement to be in charge because they've already shown they're willing to lock 
hundreds of millions of healthy people in their homes. Okay, they've already shown that. They've already shown that there are huge proponents of eliminating all constitutional restraints, all constitutional protections for us. And they will crash the economy and they will be unapologetic about it. And they do not care. You think that that movement is going to you think that they're going to think twice about trying to ram through a Green New Deal or look what they're doing to federal law right now. You have to call a man who claims to be a a, claims to have transitioned into being a female, a woman or else you will be sued and you will lose. That's where we are now. How much more ground are we going to cede in the cultural and political debate in this country before we understand that we are not winning right now? What else, what else has to happen? But look, the president is doing a lot on this issue. I, I worry that he's gotten my friends. I worry that he has gotten worn down. And there are a lot of people right now who have been who were riding the Trump train all the way. Ooh, they uh, for all whether there was for their their donors or for. You know, the fame and, and getting uh, more attention and, you know, a lot of people who are big Ted Cruz supporters just somehow became the the super Trump supporters and pretended like they never they were all oh, they were for Trump in the very beginning. Oh, man, I, I can think of at least one syndicated radio host who I know called Trump an idiot on his show. And now is is Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. Loves Trump all the time. It's just oh, oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Those people, I can assure you right now, those people are looking to see where things are going right now. And if they need to just batten down the hatches a little bit, kind of wait this thing out, they're, they're not going to be they're not going to get mowed down trying to storm the fort. That's for sure. They have no interest in that. They they're not going to stand up for those of us who are not millionaires, who are not well-established in a way where we're never going to be able to be completely silenced or canceled. No, no, no. They're going to they're going to let the next generation that hasn't yet had the benefit of the full conservative media apparatus uh, behind them. They're going to let them get mowed down and less competition. You know, that's the way they view it. So there, there's a lot of cowardice. This is a bad moment, a bad moment for this country, a bad moment for conservatism. I'm not you know, I I cannot say enough about Tucker Carlson's willingness to be a voice that speaks up for the truth here, to be a voice. He, he is risking a lot because they're going after the sponsors and they're putting pressure on Fox corporate. We all know they are. Not a lot of other people are getting that kind of pressure. Not a lot of other people seem to be really stepping up in a way where we could rally to their standard, rally to their banner. It's true in Republican Senate. It's true in so many different places right now. And I just feel a lot of people are bewildered. What's the point of having, what's the point of conservatism if when things get a little bit tough, everyone's, oh, whatever you say, we're sorry, we don't want to be mean. I'll bend the knee. I don't know, folks. We either rise to this one or not. Um, I'm even, I'm even, I, <laughs> uh, all I can tell you right now is that I have gotten pushback about using the term pushback from very prominent conservative folks about using the term wartime conservatism. Uh, Do we have to stop saying a political campaign? Because campaign is taken from the military terminology, right? 
targeting districts. We have to stop saying that, too. Obviously, I'm talking about an ideologically stealing of courage here. I'm talking about mobilizing the mind and our ability to debate and have I'm not talking about an actual militarization of the conservative movement. Right. But the, the dishonesty that they will use to shut you down on all the other things they'll use on this, too. And conservatives are scared of it. They don't Oh no, we don't want we don't like that term. You know, let's just let's just stick with MAGA. There's not a lot of MAGA happening right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. In many cases, local law enforcement is underfunded, understaffed, and undersupported. Forty-seven percent of all murders in Chicago and sixty-eight percent of all murders in Baltimore went without arrests last year. Americans want law and order. They demand law and order. They may not say it. They may not be talking about it, but that's what they want. Some of them don't even know that's what they want, but that's what they want. And they understand that when you remove the police, you hurt those who have the least the most. Nobody needs a strong, trustworthy police force more than those who live in distressed areas. And nobody is more opposed to the small number of bad police officers. And you have them. They're very tiny. I use the word tiny. It's a very small percentage. But you have them. But nobody wants to get rid of them more than the overwhelming number of really good and great police officers. Trump is right on this issue. I mean, the good news is he is standing up for law enforcement, but he is also being advised clearly to do things that are supposed to seem like it's a middle ground to reform police, which just adds more fuel to the fire of, oh, see, even they admit that there's bad racist cops out there. Oh, okay. Well, let's then... Let, let, let's let's just take a moment. How much good faith is he getting from the other side on this one? Well, the ink is not even dry on the executive order. And Nancy Pelosi pounces. Play 13. Madam Speaker, is that what this EO was today, the bare minimum? Yes, it fell sadly and seriously short. Uh, one thing I did agree with the president is Congress should act. He said that he alluded to that a number of times. Congress should do more. Yes, it would be easy to do more because he fell so short, meekly surrendering. Already claiming that this was insufficient, a joke, a waste. So what was the point of it? Because I can tell you that the people that I know who really understand law enforcement are saying it's not going to do anything. So why make a hollow gesture like this at this point in time? Because now people will say, Buck, why aren't you agreeing? You're, you're president, the guy you support so much. He wanted that executive order. Why don't you see things the way he is? Maybe something's wrong with you. Maybe, maybe uh, we need to think a little bit more about who you support and what movements. You know, all of a sudden they start to, oh, the eye of Sauron. Sorry for the, all the Lord of the Rings references, but the eye of Sauron is upon you. Cancel, cancel, cancel. You can just hear them chanting it outside, can't you? People pretend so much during this Trump era to be courageous, and so many of those who have gotten rich and famous during it are total cowards. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team, I told you about the uh, Oklahoma State football coach, Mike Gundy, who made the mistake 
of posting, and it's not a mistake. I just want to be very clear about that. But it, it's being treated like a mistake in the current crazy witch hunting left wing mob environment that he wore a One America News T-shirt in a post about a fishing trip he was on. He wasn't saying, hey, look at my One America News T-shirt. I love these guys. He just was posting a posting a photo of him with friends on a fishing trip. And he had happened happened to have a T-shirt on that said One America News. Well, sure enough, one of his players, a Mr. Chubba, I do not recall his last name. Apologies. Producer Mark, what's his last name? Mr. Chubba. Do we know? Hold on. Well, he'll find out. Um, but as somebody with Chubba unique, Hubbard, Chubba Hubbard. Yes. Mr. Chubba Hubbard did not appreciate that his coach had a photo wearing a One American News T-shirt. And so from there. We went through the usual, oh, I have to I have to apologize. I have to bend the knee. Please don't send me to the reeducation camps of the left. And, and then once you do all that, guess what? The left sends you to the reeducation camp anyway. That's what people don't understand. I'm not saying bend the knee because it's going to, uh, you know, be, because it's just a question of what's right and what's principled. You usually want to bend the knee because guess what? They're not going to let you stop bending the knee. Once you do it one time, that's it. Once you do it one time, you're you're stuck. Here is the apology hostage video Oklahoma State's coach Mike Gundy put out. Play clip two. I had a great meeting with our team today. Our players expressed their feelings as individuals and as team members. They helped me see through their eyes how the T-shirt affected their hearts. Once I learned how that network felt about Black Lives Matter, I was disgusted and knew it was completely unacceptable to me. I want to apologize to all members of our team, former players and their families for the pain and discomfort that has been caused over the last two days. Black Lives Matter to me. Our players matter to me. These meetings with our team have been eye-opening and will result in positive changes for Oklahoma State football. I sincerely hope the Oklahoma State family near and far will accept my humble apology as we move forward. Knee bent, apology offered. We'll see if absolution follows. Now, look, I, I, there's, there's always a little bit of a conflict for me on, these, on the way I feel about these things because on the one hand, I want to tell everybody, stand tall, stand proud, come on, man. He didn't, here's the thing, he didn't do anything even a little bit wrong. This is crybaby nonsense, all right? It's a cable news channel. The guy's wearing a T-shirt. Maybe it was the only clean T-shirt he had access to that day. It was laundry day, right? He's not going around handing out One American News literature in the locker room. And the guy's wearing a T-shirt. Grow up, people upset by this. Okay, he's not wearing, you know, the, the, a, a, a swastika, but they think it's that's the problem. They they treat One America News like it is a swastika. I mean, they think that this is hateful. I know people work at One America News. They're nice people. They do a good job. They you know they are conservative. They like the president, but they're not horrible human beings. They're not they're not all, you know they're not trying to push for extermination of their fellow human beings. I mean, it's, it's just. It's hard to argue with insanity. And so you start to lose your own grip on reality a bit because you think, how could how could the other side be so crazy? Am I missing something? You know, you start to question your own 
grip on things. And then you realize, no, no, they're actually just nuts. The left is actually just crazy. Um, but then I have this other, I have this com- competing emotion sometimes, which is, look, I get it, man. I mean, Mike Gundy, I'm assuming Oklahoma State, because Oklahoma, I'm assuming their football team is very, very good. It's a big storied program. He probably makes a lot of money. Producer Mark, is, is this guy like one of the, is he an elite coach? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't watch college He's football. most famous for a rant, which I can't believe is 12 years ago now. I'm a man. I'm 40. I don't know if you remember that press conference. No. no. Basically, somebody wrote an article about one of his players, and he went off in a press conference screaming, I'm a man. I'm 40. It, it's hilarious. You should Google it. Um, oh. So he's been there a long time. Okay. So the guy's been there a long time. And it's a big program, obviously, right? Oklahoma State, I'm assuming, is like a football powerhouse. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good program. Oh, okay. That's not, okay. Whatever. They're not it's, wishing it's, winning national championships, but it's a but well-known program. It's a serious football program. Okay. It's not like Amherst College where the football team might as well have been the interpretive dance team. Okay. So uh, let's get back to this. I, I, feel, I feel a little bit badly because, look, I get it. The guy's got a wife. He's got kids. He's worked really hard to have this job. And he, and he panics and you freak out. You know, this is why it's it, look on the one hand, I, I'm telling everybody, you know, don't bend the knee. But I also understand that people want to keep their jobs. And I tell you, don't don't charge the machine gun nest. Now, that's a different thing. You know, to, to not bend the knee is to say that you what you know is right. And when you haven't transgressed, you should not apologize for it. That's different than going out there and engaging in public debate on these issues at the risk of your career, your reputation, et cetera. That's a different choice to make. But I get it. People don't want to lose their jobs either. And this just shows you the power that the left has accrued in this process. Every person that you hear talking about this stuff on the radio or watching on TV, anyone who is deviating from the leftist orthodoxy, Anyone who has a point of view that does not line up exactly with the with what the BLM movement is proposing and, you know, just does everything that they're supposed to do right now, given what the outrage mob is demanding, is putting themselves at some degree of professional risk and, and at reputational harm. Now, for those who have been in the game for 20 years and are you know worth like one hundred million dollars and all that stuff. OK. I'm not exactly going to, you know, they're not the biggest heroes in the world. I'm kind of amazed that those who are people who are in that in that position aren't taking bigger risks in speaking the truth and speaking out and fighting against this. That was one of my complaints in that viral thread that uh, thankfully Rush Limbaugh read on his show. You know, where are the, you know, Rush is clearly he's reading my thread. So he's clearly uh, on board for this and trying to get the word out and doesn't want the status quo to continue. And there are others I've been name uh, name dropping Tucker a fair amount here just because I think that he's doing a great job. But there are some others I'm saying, well, where where are they on this one? You know, where is the stand alongside? And and one thing that we lack on the right that I'm I'm just furious about. There's no sense of conservative solidarity, no sense of this political movement. You know, we share this ideology Anyone who listens to the show, when anyone from Team Buck, when the world was normal, I would actually travel and be out and doing things. And same with all of you when they would see me. Yeah, we have the bond of anyone who listens to this show feels like a friend of mine and knows me quite well, knows my voice, understands in in a way uh, who I am much more than even people that I had been friends with for a long time because they're spending a lot of time with me and they're hearing my thoughts on things. Uh But also we share an ideology. You know, we share a value system and beliefs. And there is a camaraderie 
that comes along with that. There's a sense of, you know, I say Team Buck all the time. It's not just supposed to be some catchy slogan for T-shirts. There is a sense that we are fighting for the same things. We are on the same team. And that's true. Everybody who listens to this show. What about all the other conservatives out there? Now, I have my uh, contacts in this media world that come on the show and that are friends of mine and that are that are allies in this cause. Gosh, I feel like the term ally has been so co-opted, but, you know, that, that are fighting with me. But I can tell you this. If you attack a big lib in the media, if you criticize, let's say, Anderson Cooper at CNN or a real, you know, iconic left wing journo, um, it's not ju- and, and, and he, he might even ignore you. But if he engages, he engages. There will be an army of blue checks from the Daily Beast and the New York Times and the MSNBC and Slade and all the and HuffPost. They will all, you know, Anderson's amazing. You're a loser. I hate him. They'll all come at you and everything else. And while it's annoying and they're childish morons, I got to at least respect that, you know, they will defend their own. If you are a conservative, I got to tell you something. You you get into a public exchange with uh, with some of the other, you know, so, so with the, with the other side on this stuff. And if it's someone who is kind of a revered leftist, you know, if it's if it's Anderson Cooper or if it's, uh, you know, you go down the list of the of the big lib journo types out there, you know, Nicholas Kristoff, of the New York Times or something. You're on your own. You're right now. Look, I find my own battles. I don't really care. I'm just saying. It's interesting to me that we are so uh, vocal about our defense of freedom and the First Amendment and also how important it is to fight for our ideology. And I'm telling you, when things when there's a little bit of heat, a lot of people, a lot of people on the right run for the exits. You don't have, we don't have a lot of buddies, not a lot of friends. And I will tell you this, too. I always note who you can count on, who stays in the trench when the left wing enemy is on the move and assaulting. You know, I know who stays there with you and who who heads for it. Maybe one day I'll start to name some names. You want me to name names? I'll name names. I remember Alex Jones made a video a long time ago about that. That was funny. I had so much fun with the Alex Jones thing yesterday. But I, I do agree. Like, what would I do if I moved to Austin and Alex Jones showed up and knocked on my door? He's like, I heard you. I heard you want to have a, a cage match. Well, that's right. Cage match. No holds barred. Let's do it. You know, I'd have to be like, oh, man, I got to train, I guess. This is going to be just kidding. I want a cage match of the mind. So uh, where was I on all that? I got got a little distracted just by I I get so frustrated with with conservatives these days and the the lack of of backbone that I see from a lot of them. Um, And it's a problem. It's you know, I tell you, the left takes care of their own with jobs and professorships and, you know, TV contracts and everything else. If you're a warrior for the left, they will provide you with a living, with a with a pension, so to speak. They'll take care of you. If you're on the right, you know, a lot of people on the right that you all know and you think of you get you get stamped out. They go "Ah, less competition. There's a, there's a lot of that vibe out there, which which affects the movement. Look, you can say that's the business, but I'm telling you, it affects the movement. It affects conservative uh, conservative politics, too. It's not just about and, and you can think about it this way. Think of the people over the years that I've had on this show and have been helpful to who then if they had a breakout, you know, have they ever reciprocated? You know, I, I pay attention to all of these things. I, I never forget. 
And there are people whose careers in this business I have started that have gone on to be very successful. And I always remember, you know, who who at least, even if it's in private, gives a nod and is thankful and who's kind of like, yeah, whatever was useful when it was useful for me. We have a culture on the right of warring factions and fiefdoms inside conservative media instead of and even people that work at the same companies and stuff. Oh, my gosh, they're all backstabbing behind the scenes. I want, you know, I want that station. I want that time slot. Ooh, it's gross. I mean, people that are people that are already they've tasted more than their share of fame and have more money than they'll ever be able to spend. They can't even count all the money they've got. Uh, There's a lot of it. It's disappointing. And that was one of the things from my thread that I brought up yesterday that I've gotten so much back channel contact about. And people want to ask me, they're saying, oh, well, you know, name names. And I say, "Ah, I try not to. But then they'll tell me and I I say, you know, I I don't want to say too much, you know, a little bit. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much about this. But you can all figure out who the good people are and who they know. The one thing that I love about radio audiences when they listen to somebody enough they really do know who they're listening to in some places they have no choice it's the only host that's on and they want to get something conservative but you know you know who's a a good person who plays plays this game fair and honestly and uh who is a a uh, dirty backstabber and somebody that nobody should listen to so there's that you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast Well, it's really remarkable to hear what's going on in China, where they're shutting down um, large parts of Beijing for a couple dozen cases, several dozen cases. Texas has several dozen cases from probably a single bar uh, with some of the reports that we're seeing. Um, Part of it's increased testing, but the positivity rate's going up. The positivity rate's almost at 8 percent, according to the COVID tracking project. So this is an outbreak that's underway. Um, it's expanding. You know, they're they're at risk of tipping over. Um, if you look at the different reporting, the number of cases yesterday in the COVID tracking project was 4,000. So there's different ways that the counties are reporting. Texas reported some numbers, but uh, some of the independent groups are reporting higher numbers. If you heard the governor yesterday announce some measures to perhaps slow some of the openings around bars and restaurants, and Austin announced separate steps that they're going to take to extend some of the work-at-home uh, orders that are in place. But uh, Texas really needs to get control. Arizona, the positivity rate's up to about 18 percent, according to the COVID tracking project. Florida is creeping up to about 8 percent. So um, these are outbreaks that are underway, and um, they're worrisome because they're happening in the summer. They're coming for you, Texas. The lockdowners are coming for you. You think that you were out of this. Oh, I had all my friends in Texas and my main man, Jesse Kelly, and others like, well, at least we can enjoy restaurants and stuff. Ho, ho, ho. Let me tell you something. The narrative is shifting. The caseload, they say, is rising. Is it about testing? Is it really about cases? Are these dangerous cases? Are these hospitalizations from COVID or hospitalizations from something else? And the person happens to have COVID. Oh, but but there's somehow we have we have this cases rising. We have the lowest COVID fatalities is what I saw today since uh, the third week of March. But we and that's nationwide. But we're supposed to be worried about these different states that have opened. And why would it happen in this way in this at this time? Georgia has been open since what? May? Second, third week of May? And so it took weeks and weeks and weeks. And now these states are having these big surges. Now, they're not not, uh, also I just look. Here's the problem that we're going to run into. We're going to spend a lot of time arguing about this. We're going to spend a lot of time looking at the data. But I also want everyone to know that uh, here's what our fundamental position on this should be. 
No second shutdown. Anywhere, I don't care, no second shutdown. Protect elderly and at-risk populations. Allow for individual choice in basic risk reduction measures, but restore freedom and economic activity to the people. The tyranny of the lockdowners must end. No second shutdown. There shouldn't even be a consideration. COVID outbreaks can be addressed as they come without placing millions of healthy people under house arrest and crushing the economy once again. Just in time for the upcoming election. Oh, that, that's, not a, that's not a factor in any of this, is it? And the politics of this sudden and convenient panic reporting are more clear than ever. More clear than ever. <sighs> they're, they're not going to give this up. I told you we're, we're going to go back into if unless people wake up, speak out and refuse. I mean, there needs to be mass noncompliance for this crap. They're going to lock you back in your homes again. They don't have to do it for long. They're going to lock you back in your homes again. And if they don't do it now, guess what? They're going to try in September or October. Perfect timing. Perfect timing to make sure that anything other than what we have in terms of leadership has got to be better because of what a bad situation the country's in. But that doesn't affect the journos who mysteriously for two weeks we weren't hearing about COVID when all the protests and the riots were happening. Now there's a big push. By the way, my friends, please do go today. I I have a a whole editorial. As I told you, we have original content going up on BuckSexton.com. America needs wartime conservatives. We do. But I need you to share that piece. It's on BuckSexton.com right now. You need to go check it out for yourself. Read it. It's short. It's to the point. But share it on your Facebook pages. Share it on social media. Let's get the word out. We need to rally our side or else we're going to lose. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cancel Culture comes for one of my favorite websites out there. You know that we've had the founders and various writers of TheFederalist.com on this show many, many, many times in the past. We're very pleased to have one of their senior editors join us now to talk about what happened to them? Why is NBC News gunning for them? Uh, and why is Google caught in the middle of this, either being the uh, the initial or either being the ultimate aggressor or who knows? We'll figure this out. we got Chris Bedford with us now from The Federalist. Chris, thanks for making the time. Thanks for having me. All right. So just tell everybody what the heck happened here, my man. <laughs> We, we learned a lot about this from NBC News, which has a reporter over in England who worked, they, she works in the verification unit, which is a, a very strange name. She got in contact with uh, a left-wing think tank also in England, which lists the Federalists as a hate site. And the reason for that is that the Federalists said that white supremacists were actually not responsible for the riots. And they were no longer actually not white supremacist agitators in the George Floyd riots, which turned out to be completely true. That makes us a hate site. So she contacted Google and asked if we could be demonetized based on that, and as well as our comment section, which as you know from basically any comment section, except of course for your own, is usually accessible. Uh, a lot of insanity gets spread in comment sections on YouTube, on Time Magazine, on The Federalist, wherever. Oh yeah. They said that this was now a problem. Uh, and they were gonna take that ad platform away from us. 
The problem here is that most websites these days make a lot of their money on Google Ads. It's the biggest game in town. It's the reason why your computer, your browser crashes when you try to go to too many websites. Google Ads downloading too much information from you. Uh, they bungled this entire story from top to bottom though because we got in contact with Google when this broke. We didn't issue a statement. And they, they quickly started backtracking and saying, hold on a second, hold on a second. We're, we're not gonna do this to you. NBC News had to change their story. I don't, I really hope someone's held accountable for this. And now it looks like the Senate and the House are actually pretty interested in speaking with Google about this level of oligarchy where they were going to try and take us down with a nanny state censor using a foreign think tank for printing factual things. It's, it's really absurd. And the best part about it, at least, is how quickly it's unraveled and how quickly it showed how dangerous this is to people. Because while we were able to get out of it, a lot of other people would have not had any recourse that we had. So... I, I did see the in the at least initial NBC News report about you guys getting demonetized at the Federalist by Google, which effectively cuts off all. I mean, it, it's you might as well like not have an Internet site anymore, right? Because you're not going to be able to pay any bills and keep any staff. So it, it's it's getting canceled from the Internet is what Google pulling your, your ads would would mean. And and I just would want to know. Google, uh, it seems, said, according to NBC News at one point, that you guys were demonetized. Has NBA, how did this get, that seems to me, that's a big thing, a big uh, fact in this now many times revised story that NBC News wrote to get wrong. Have you, you know, it seems like either NBC News is lying or Google is lying is what I'm getting at. Do you guys know who? I, uh, we don't know who. Based on my general experience dealing with some of these massive tech companies, I will never actually open up their books and never actually explain to you how any decision was made. Say that that's proprietary, or, or they always they like to do things like blame algorithms. Oh, it's always the algorithm. It's always people. always the algorithm. Yeah. I've learned that. Yeah, we're living in Terminator Three right now. The algorithm rules. Uh, we don't write them apparently. They always try to do that, and then they backtrack. I, for one have a difficult time believing Google's side of the story, given that they gave this message to, to NBC News. This, this Maybe this wasn't run up the chain, but somewhere someone in Google decided that that was what was going to happen. Uh, fortunately, someone else at Google decided that that was actually not what was going to happen. It might get them in a lot of trouble, at least to the Federalists. Uh, so far, it appears that this is still going on for Zero Hedge, which is an interesting anonymous financial deep state site uh it's kind of worth reading but a little crazy at some points why anyone should be silenced is beyond me speaking of chris bedford senior editor at thefederalist.com i'm wondering what you think about what i can assume and i haven't asked you about this yet and i haven't spoken to ben or sean or any of the other guys over at the federalist about this but i'm just going to assume that there hasn't been a big outpouring of support from across the media spectrum of people saying, you know, even if we disagree with you guys, we'll stand there with you if you were to be deplatformed, which is funny because I remember Jim Acosta getting his hard pass from the White House pulled and it was tears and lamentations in the media all across America. Um, Am I right in assuming that you guys haven't had a lot of public support? Maybe I'm wrong. We've had uh, a big range of public support that goes all the way from moderate Republicans to very conservative to libertarian. There is almost none, with a few exceptions, who have been from the left. And so far, uh, aside from one editor on CNN who tweeted that this was 
unbelievable censorship and completely not allowed. Wow, CNN, that men. person's job is not long for this world, but keep going. <laughs> no, they, I, they put their head on the block with that one. But I, I was thankful for it. Uh, this is not nearly the story that, for example, uh, Jim Acosta was. And it's funny you bring that up, to not have Jim Acosta ranting and yelling at the press secretary on television, giving no information to the public. Apparently that is an assault on democracy, but removing a platform, removing the ability to make money from a media company because you disagree with their alternate viewpoint, that's that's not a problem at all. It's it's a, The corporate media is generally largely in agreement on this. NBC is one of the oldest companies around. They're one of the three-letter companies. They're in agreement on this, and and it's difficult to be uh, to be against them. But we're going to do it. We're going to keep on doing it. And and tell me about this justification that Google had for even any concern, right? They, I mean, I've been saying that this is like them telling you, nice website. What nice website you guys at the Federalist got? It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Uh, they, that was great. They, they were claim- yeah. I mean, of course, this is putting you guys on notice. It puts all conservative websites on notice. You know, we're we're watching you. And I've never heard of this happening anywhere else um so i would i'd want to know this you have to moderate your comments or else we'll demonetize you is this enforced against other sites did you guys know about this google rule beforehand oh we did not know about that google rule beforehand now we're in conversations with google where we have temporarily suspended our comments section to try and get in compliance with what google wants uh, the amazing thing about that, and this is this appears to me, appears to me to be their fallback from saying that they were just straight up censoring us. They're going to say, oh, no, they were bad guys in the comments. Uh, no comment section or very, very, very few comment sections are moderated by anyone. Google is a real big pusher for rules that allow for that because Google doesn't want to be responsible for what other people post onto their Platform. It's the same thing we have at the Federalist or at the Daily Caller or, or, or with your show or with any of these other things. You don't want to have someone who's constantly reading these conversations. Uh, Google, for example, does not hold YouTube accountable for that. And if you go to almost any YouTube video, and re- it could be a video of balloons in the sunshine, read down 100 comments, there's something racist. It, and you, oh, I don't I mean, know where it comes from. It's a weird thing. I'm pretty sure that and if someone not, looked in my in my Twitter thread at any point in time, there's always comments from from leftists that I'm like, I think this is a violation of the Geneva Conventions. <laughs> I mean, they just say the craziest stuff. <laughs> it's insane. But I don't I don't actually hold Twitter. I don't blame Twitter for that. No, Twitter just allows it. Although uh, Twitter will be funny in how quickly they'll remove speech that they deem conservative, but not deem threats from the left wing. Uh, Google's Google really might have gotten themselves into more trouble with this excuse because now both the House and the Senate, including politicians who previously were easygoing on Google, are saying, hold on a second, you're violating the codes you push for to protect yourself from oversight and attacking people whose viewpoints you don't agree with. That's actually even more dangerous than disagreeing with an article that was true. That's really amazing stuff. Well, look, uh, Chris. Stay in the good fight, my friend. These days, the silencing, the great purge of conservative opinion, the great purge of free thought that is underway is deeply troubling. But it looks like you guys at least won this round. So we appreciate that and keep doing what you do over the Federalist. And thanks for joining us. And you, too. Thanks a lot, Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. 
Now, the Trump campaign says that hand sanitizer and face masks will be offered to all attendees, though not necessarily required. Then they're not going to wear them, just like Trump doesn't wear them, which puts Trump in danger, too. The president of the United States is going to be exposed to the aerosolized spittle of 19,000 people. Honest to God, how does the Secret Service allow him to do that? Look, I never thought I'd say this, but sir, please build the wall. The campaign apparently has no social distancing plans. People will likely be packed shoulder to shoulder, which is a concept the president has endorsed, saying it loses a lot of flavor to have his devoted fans spread out. You know, that guy, Stephen Colbert, is a comedian, allegedly, who is uh, paid millions of dollars of year, uh, millions of dollars a year to read jokes other people write on a legacy media network controlled by libs. Yeah. So I, I guess that's what you should expect. Uh, it's not funny. It's not insightful. And, and it's dumb. And a lot of what he says is wrong. Um, yeah. Trump is going to be exposed to the spittle of 19,000 people. If he somehow can fit 19,000 people within a four meter radius of himself, maybe. But. That's not going to happen. So that's just a, a stupid thing to say. And I just want to know, did, did Colbert have any funny jokes about all the protesters and all the looters who were gathered together, not wearing masks for weeks? Did he have any funny, funny ha ha jokes about all that? I'm going to guess he didn't. Hmm. That's a big shock. And I also would want to know, why is it that, you know, we should assume that that's not a huge problem? given what we're, we're being told now about rising cases in, in all these different states. Uh, why, why would we not blame the protests? I can assure you, you know this without any doubt, if, the lockdown pro- if there were lockdown protests every day, hundreds of thousands of people across the country in over 120 U.S. cities, if there were lockdown protests and then a spike in cases, guess who they'd be blaming? The people at the protests. Masks at best might provide some degree of spread limitation for people who are positive with the virus. Maybe, maybe it's it's small. I'm always amazed when I tell people, oh, you, you think if you wear a mask, it's, it's all it's all going to be OK. You know that the virus can get in your eyes, right? They've actually just there's a study that just came out now that says, yeah, I mean, so unless you're going to wear goggles, and an N95 mask that is properly fitted to you and worn all the time. So unless really you want to go out in like a scuba suit, and there are people, I will tell you, there are people in my building who are wearing, um, when they go outside, they wear what look like hazmat suits. You know, white medical grade covering, uh, you know, plastic like covering head to toe, goggles, the whole thing. I mean, that's what some people, that's what they're doing. And they're like 25, the people that I've seen doing this. They're not elderly, and, and, and maybe they have some immunodeficiency I'm not aware of. But, uh, but they're, they're going to play this whole game of Trump rallies, COVID, bad, immoral. We've known they're going to do this all along. These people have no principles, no sense of irony, no sense of decency or honesty. Uh, but the protests are, you know, that's about justice. Yeah, that's about stopping police from being racist murderers, which they're not. The data does not support the underlying thesis of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is that cops are racist murderers. The, the, the thesis that Black Lives Matter is pushing is not the name of the movement. There is universal agreement that Black Lives Matter. 
The thesis the movement is actually pushing is that cops are racist and bad and kill black people systematically and at a level that is a national emergency. That is the thesis of the movement. Uh, but you won't hear that from the media. They're too busy. They're too busy, you know, worshiping at the at the altar of BLM. That's what they're doing. Uh, and, and they're happy now to, to see people that are just going to be dishonest about this and, and trash the Trump rallies. I mean, Chuck Schumer, who is as disgraceful and dishonest a politician as you will find anywhere. Here is Chuck Schumer's uh, sense. He, he, here is his addition to the conversation about COVID-19 and public safety and the Trump rallies. Play clip 12. The trends are extremely concerning. I've asked the White House to have members of the Coronavirus Task Force, including Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, to give Senate Democrats a briefing on these recent spikes. I have yet to hear back. The White House continues to muzzle the most knowledgeable people. President Trump, haven't you learned when you don't face the truth, it hurts the country and hurts you? You tried to deny that this coronavirus was real. It was a hoax. It'll go away in a few days. There are very few cases. And of course, it ravaged our country. And now they're doing the same thing. President Trump is doing exactly the same thing. Withholding the experts, withholding the truth in hopes that things will disappear. That's just not how science tells us things work. President Trump now seems ready to dismiss these issues entirely. Appalling. He is planning big campaign rallies, asking reporters, amazingly, to sign waivers not to sue if they contract COVID from attending. I guess he worries that they might get it, but he doesn't care. Wants to have his rally. That's the superficiality of this president. I mean, what, what a whole stream of BS. Doesn't care. That's what doesn't care about his, pro, about his uh, supporters getting this. Does Schumer care about all the protesters? Remember we were told, it's not just the protesters may get this. They might give it to older people and kill them. Cuomo was saying, you are, you are actually killing people if you don't do what we say. I mean, the ultimate justification for authoritarianism, the Democrats were saying it in the open, repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over again. Does Schumer have any harsh words for the protesters? No, that's about, that's about uh, a really important issue. So, I mean, and they were also being told that you know we were being told that you had to obey the dictates of the left because it would overwhelm the health system so it's not just about you it's about our first line medical responders now we have first line medical responders who are showing up at these protests who are doing dances with them who are spending time on social media praising them oh okay so if you're a leftist nothing else matters other than your insatiable desire for power that your movement justifies any activity, any action, as long as it is for the good of the movement, you should do it. The good of the people, the good of truth, honesty, decency, doesn't matter. The good of the movement, that's all that matters. Okay. I mean, Chuck Schumer is a liar, a fraud, and a disgrace, but, you know, he's a Democrat senator from New York. What do you, what do you expect? It's, that's not going to change anytime soon. But the just breathtaking hypocrisy on display from these guys about the protesters versus the rallies. It's, you can't make this stuff up. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're not going to allow people to take the law into their own hands. It just doesn't work. 
So people are not allowed to open up a playground that's not yet available to the public. It's for a reason. Look, I was very sympathetic in the beginning to every parent, as a parent myself, why people wanted to be on those playgrounds. We tried to make it work. It wasn't working effectively. Right now, we're not going to make a change with the playgrounds until we get to phase two. Now, phase two, as everyone knows, could be as early as June 22nd. I've said I think it's going to take a longer than that uh, just to make sure we're absolutely certain. I mean, these guys are unbelievable. De Blasio here is explaining to you why they they will not allow children in broad daylight, in sunshine, in 75 degree weather to go out into a playground in New York because of covid and thousands and thousands of people can gather in protests and stand there for hours and hours and hours every day. Remember, it's not children need to wear masks and then they can go to a playground. It's no playgrounds. Not allowed. H- how could anyone justify this? These guys are tyrannical morons. They realize that they don't actually have good reasons for what they do. Well, unless you look at the political reasons for much of the decision making around this. But they understand that the moment that they start to see the, you know, respect my authority or else mentality, people ask questions about other things. You know, ultimately, you know what the mayor's, you know what the mayor's power really rests on? The willingness of the NYPD to enforce these laws. You know, the mayor can say whatever he wants all day long, unless the cops are going to show up and actually make sure that you can't go into the playground and, and either write uh, citations for people or affect arrests. People can just decide to do what they're going to do. So I would wonder at this point, you know, if we just if we weren't so if we weren't so in the midst of a mass brainwashing campaign because of the covid panic, then perhaps we would be able to be at a circumstance where I could count on my fellow Americans here in New York. And this is true of other cities, too, that are dealing with this now. You're just not hearing about it. I mean, look at what's going on in Seattle. But. Where is the the willingness to disobey stupid orders from the government? This is a dumb order. This does this is not rooted in science. This is not not rooted in the data, as Fauci would say. It's not the data. It's about the mitigation. And, you know, we're not sure. Yes. No. Maybe so. That's where we are on all this. Uh, You have. Oh, and Governor Cuomo who is the single worst example of how anybody could handle this whole pandemic. I mean, Governor Cuomo has still not really answered or explained how anyone could be so stupid. I mean, I understand what his reasoning was, which was you got to take seniors out of hospitals as quickly as possible because we're going to run out of hospital beds and we're going to run out of ventilators. That never happened, never even came close to happening. They're trying the same thing, though, now in other states. Oh, is your state going to run out of hospital beds? Oh, you know, they're, they're trying the, the panic that worked in New York. They're pushing it elsewhere, pushing it elsewhere. Remember, the, that panic allows the people that are pushing it to do whatever they want, to take away whatever rights of yours they want. And for those of you who say, oh, Buck, you're just talking about New York. No, they're doing they're trying this in Texas. They're trying this in Florida. They're trying this in other states now, too. Oh, the numbers are rising. The numbers are rising. Hospitalizations are going up. Yeah, everyone, everyone better hide under their beds. Cuomo thinks that he is somebody that everyone should look to for how to handle COVID as a political leader. I mean, he, he's delusional, but there's really, well, what other choice does he have other than to admit that the decisions that he made led to a lot of people losing their lives that did not have to? 
uh, that we're not necessarily going to die. Here's what the governor said. Play clip eight. Critics have suggested that you ignored early warnings about the severity of this disease and that if you had shut down a week earlier or two, that lives could have been saved. Uh, I believe that the former CDC director, Tom Frieden, says you could have cut New York's death toll by up to 80 percent. Obviously, now we have information we didn't have then. But do you regret now with the information you have now not shutting down New York earlier? Well, we didn't have the information then. Do you feel responsible? for the New Yorkers who died in this pandemic? I think the New Yorkers who died did not die because we failed them. We got them a hospital bed, which we didn't know that we could. We got them a nurse with PPE, with a mask, with a gown. We got them a doctor. We got them a ventilator. Everyone who died, we did everything we could. Um, Not true, because... A very obvious thing to do would have been to make sure that COVID of COVID positive seniors leaving hospitals were not just sent back in on executive order. This isn't like a thing that happened that no one is paying attention to. Cuomo mandated that they have to take people back into the nursing homes. So you sent people with COVID back into nursing homes and then the COVID-19 spread through those nursing homes, the single most vulnerable population by far. It's not even close. Cuomo sent them back in and we had thousands and thousands and thousands of seniors who died. But, you know, notice that doesn't even get brought up in this interview somehow. There was a good morning, America. I mean, are these people journalists or are they trying to tell me how to make the best, you know, feta and mint salad for summertime? I, I never really understand. You know, that show actually makes money, too. It's kind of funny. All these other shows, people don't realize these big news shows, even ABC and these, uh, you know, ABC News Tonight, they're revenue neutral. They don't make money. They're not big money makers because the left understands the need to have the narrative out there and the liberal control of all these major media corporations guarantees that they'll fund things that don't make money that they still think are important. We don't do that in conservative media. Oh, no, 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 no. On the right, we don't we don't do that. But don't get me on that rant today. Um, I told you we would follow up on the story of the Juan de Oñote uh, statue protest down in New Mexico. We got somebody who's down there on the ground to join us and tell us about that in just a moment. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Okay, team, I told you that if we got more information about that uh, violent standoff in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that I would bring that to you. And we're fortunate to be joined by a friend of ours who knows everything about what's happening down there. We have Eddie Aragon with us now. He's the host of The Rock of Talk down in Albuquerque. Great to have you, sir. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Buck. So, all right, this yesterday, as we, as we talked about this on, on the show, I said we, we had people, they're being, they're being identified as militia members. I didn't seem that there was any more specificity than that. They're at a Juan de Oñate statue. Um, what, what are some of the updates to the story uh, that then led to the, the gunfire exchange? Somebody shot someone. He's, he's stable in the hospital, from what I understand. You had Antifa squaring off against this uh this militia what happened here eddie so 
essentially, you know, with all the statues coming down, and there's one in northern New Mexico in a place called Alcalde, they took down the Juan de Oñate statue. They see him as a symbol of oppression. Back in 1598, he was the governor from 1598 through 1606, really our first governor and the last conquistador is the way that he's referred to. So we've had this uh, really sort of, I want to say, uprising uh, political correctness uh, here. They've latched on to that, have been pushing back and been going after the symbols. And of course, you've seen that nationally in terms of what's been happening everywhere from going after you know Confederate statues or going after a Christopher Columbus statue. This is right in line with that. And Antifa has sort of picked up that gauntlet. There's about 30 to 35 people on the ground here who are paid and they went down there, and they were all in all, including the Antifa uh, that were there, there's probably about 200. No social distancing here, Buck. I mean, these guys are down. They're going to go down and destroy public property that is uh, paid for by the taxpayers at the Albuquerque Museum, no less. 15 people, including eight, which is known as the New Mexico Civil Guard. They were there trying to keep some sort of order. These are properly trained people. I had one of them there uh, yesterday on my show, and we talked for an entire hour about what they were doing. They have rules of engagement, and this is a constitutional militia that were there. Can I, can I ask, because this is, this is important, Eddie, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is, you're giving us all these details that, you know, yesterday I said, guys, the reporting is still a little bit, there's some holes, things we got to fill here. You're telling me that that militia that was there at the Juan de Oñate statue had before uh, the, the violent exchange on video, they were in violation of no laws. Is that correct? Meaning, you know, they're zero. Absolutely. We have open carry here in the state. They are a constitutional uh, militia. There are a number of events. They have great rapport with a number of groups here, uh, specifically, obviously, and conservative groups here in the state of New Mexico. No record of any sort of public, uh, uh, I don't disturbances. What is their mission? You want to call it? What's their mission? What is their mission? Their mission, uh, from what I understand, I talked to a gentleman by the name of Bryce Smith, and uh, their mission is just to keep the peace. It's a constitutional militia to protect the laws, to protect the uh, you know civilness, if you will, and to just keep order because our Albuquerque Police Department is not doing that. And there's a lot of details here, so I'm going to go fast. So the Albuquerque Police Department was told to stand down by the command. The command gets them from the chief, Chief Geyer. Geyer responds to the Albuquerque mayor, very progressive, has had two New York Times articles written about him, as has our governor, uh, who I respond to, who I refer to as the governess. She is one of six finalists, according to the Associated Press, for the, <laughs> you can believe it, vice presidency under uh, with Biden. So we've got this big progressive agenda. Tim Keller, our mayor, told Chief Geyer to go ahead and tell these people to stand down and not engage what was happening there. Uh, quoted this as a peaceful protest. Now, this is all secondhand uh, information that's all coming from the police officers that I am in contact with, not the command staff, not the brass, but the actual police officers who are communicating with me as a radio host here in Albuquerque. And here's where it gets real interesting. They did nothing. And now they're getting looked into for not doing nothing. I talked to the uh, chief of, or excuse me, the president of the Albuquerque Police Officer Association just got off the phone with him. His name is Sean Willoughby. Okay, so have all these pieces that are right there. That militia was the only group that was there to sort of keep the peace. Well, you had about 150 to 200 people, no official count, so I don't know, obviously not doing the social distancing or thing like that, literally wobbling and taking a pickaxe, throwing a chain around Juan Donate, destroying public property. And as I said, there's eight militia members and maybe about five or six people at most 
of the contra or the opposite end of all this, things started to escalate. More chants, anti-fascism, you know, no Trump, no KKK, no racism. These are all the things that they're saying. And there's about a good hour of audio. So there's a gentleman by the name of Steve um, Baca, and he ran for Albuquerque City Council. He's a conservative. He's out there. He's upset about what's what's taking place. He attempts to sort of uh, blockade and try to prevent, uh, if you will, Juan de Oñate from being pulled down. And here's where it really gets interesting, because the Antifa members start laying hands, getting violent, and that's considered an assault, as you know, uh, from law enforcement. They're not only just laying hands on Stephen Baca, but they're also laying hands on the militia as they're getting pelted. The constitutional militia is getting pelted, pushed, and not one of these guys ever has the nose of their gun aimed at any one of these people, and they're getting pushed off this small hill where Juan de Oñate's statue is. So Stephen gets pushed back. They try to create a border, a chain border around, as as many of these Antifa members and other activists. Uh, remember, not all, everybody there is, is Antifa members. I'll more on that a little bit later. Holding back, trying to push them back. Who are they trying to push back? Stephen Baca and several other people who are there. And the militia is getting pushed off. So this spills out onto outside the border, onto the streets. And there's about 10 to 12 feet. I've already inspected the place. You know, I know the distances. I mean, it's very familiar to me. Pushed out onto the street, Stephen Baca. Well, an altercation takes place because Stephen lays hands, unfortunately, and he is carrying open carrying from what I can tell. And he does have a can, it looks like a a pepper spray on his left hand. And these are lots of little details that are starting to to emerge from all of this. And he basically takes that girl that was trying to blockade because she's pushing him back violently, by the way, pushing back and pushing back and pushing. He finally gets frustrated, picks her up and slams her down. That ignites the altercation. Three Antifa members. I've got all the names and all the pieces. Uh, Scott Williams involved in this. There's two other pieces. A guy by the name of Paul Cortez is, is also in, involved in, in all of this. These are people who are, are activists. They push him out onto the street. Well, Stephen is starting to put his hands up. And we have a first aggressor rule here in the state of New Mexico. Stephen would have been considered a first aggressor in all of this. But he took a step back and he started going away because he's by himself. He's completely and totally outnumbered, goes about probably about 100, maybe about 75 to 80 yards down the street. And three Antifa members, all black. How do I know they're Antifa members? All black, red bandanas, all backpacked, all water bottled in the back. These guys are basically equipped and ready to go. And these have have also been uh, verified by Bryce Smith. Bryce Smith was the sort of head of the constitutional militia that was there who I had on. He's the one that gave me all this information. He starts to step back and move away from, from them and continues to back. Well, Antifa gets amped up. The emotions start to take over. They start chasing after him, and they swing not once but twice, make contact at least once with Steve uh, uh, Baca. And as he's going down, he's now running away, turning the other way. And there's the video. Uh, I shared that uh, hopefully with your producers who are able to see that. I only not only took it from ABQ Raw, but I also slow-moed it so everybody can see it. Well, at this point, it turns into self-defense and Steve, being chased by three Antifa members and the woman uh, that, that's there, turns around after being thrown to the ground, ripped his shirt. They attack him, try to wrestle him to the ground. At that point, he's being attacked by two 
uh, two Antifa members right. and a woman. And he pulls uh, his gun and he shoots. And okay, another. right. And so and so then yeah. tell us what. Right. When we, we've we've seen we talked about the video yesterday. So has he been has he been arrested? Where does it stand legally? Uh, which one, Stephen or? Yeah, the guy who shot the guy. Has he been arrested? Steven. Yeah. So Stephen, let me uh, very quickly. Stephen gets tossed on the ground, reaches for his gun, perfectly uh, executes uh, the defense of himself, shoots the guy uh, at least three, at least two times, maybe three times. We don't know. Still getting some information. They haven't released information on the man who was shot. Scott Williams shot. Scott turns around, falls to the floor. Steve takes a knee. He's not running. He's staying right there. He knows. As someone who's been properly trained in concealed carry, as someone who knows uh, what needs to be done at the very end, he takes a knee, waits for the police to come and get him, uh, basically. They attend to Scott Williams, and all that stuff is right there. After review, they take Stephen in, and Stephen, because of the circumstantial uh, information and other probably police uh, interviews that have been going on, he gets charged with aggravated battery. So that's he's the only person to this point has been charged uh, with anything. And that was self-defense outnumbered. You know, if this was on the flip side, I don't want to give you necessarily. Right, right no, we, we understand. We understand the details and we get it. We've seen the video. Um, so, OK, well, look, let us know how this uh, shakes out uh, if he ends up going to trial on this one or, or what happens. But I'm glad that we got somebody who has real perspective on what's going on down there in in Mexico. We, we got to get to a station break. But if you want to tell one more thing, go ahead. OK. All right. All right. Very that, quick. Yeah. This, this, this was shifted from APD to New Mexico State Police. There's no longer control of the narrative, and the state police is run by the progressive governor who's running for vice president, uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, and who I'm also trying to impeach. So there you go. All righty. Thanks so much. Eddie Aragon, everybody down in Albuquerque, the rock of talk. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us, man. We appreciate your perspective from what's actually happening down there. And thank you for your show. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Indeed it is. Time for the Roll Call. Woo! Producer Mark, I'm hearing Dr. Fauci is saying that there should not be MLB baseball past September. Are you finally ready to, uh, to laugh when I do the Fauci impersonation, if nothing else, to add to the ridicule of the ridiculousness? Absolutely. I think it's ridiculous, especially if they're all going to be in a bubble. How can you stop baseball? Regardless, there might not be any baseball because the billionaires and the millionaires are still fighting like whiny little babies. So it doesn't really matter. Ah, so you're saying even it's not even just Fauci saying no, no, because the mitigation in the stadium is not, you know, there's air and airflow and and people when they have aerosolized virus, you know, all that. Um, you're saying that actually it's a bunch of rich crybabies in baseball and the owners who are the problem. Yes. They still have not agreed to a deal, and it is June 17th. How are you fitting, what, they want to play 80 games, 70, 80 games? How are you fitting that right now in a World Series? 
are are the Yankees still kind of like the New England Patriots of baseball, or has that you know are they consistently a powerhouse, or has that gone away? I have no idea. I've, oh yeah, they. Uh, I mean, this year they're probably the best team in baseball. They have a very good team. They haven't won a World Series since two thousand nine, which is a lot for Yankee fans, but for me, a Mets fan. I would take one in a decade. That's fine. Do you just like to suffer, Mets fan, Mark? Yeah, is I that do. what this is all about? Yeah, yeah, my whole life has been pain and suffering because of the New York Mets and the New York Rangers. That's tough stuff. I got I have the I Giants. Remember, I, I remember learning from a friend of mine who was a very good hockey player all about Mark Messier. See, I remember him. Yeah, the glory year, yeah, 1994. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right, we got uh, some roll call coming your way. As I said, please do go to bucksexton.com. I have a call to wartime conservatism up there. Friends, I, I, I wrote this. I put it on the site. I told you we would do original content. I'm delivering on that. I'm going to keep doing this. But please share this. The best way for the word to get out. I, I'm not. Look, I don't think that I don't think that other conservative websites, you know, the big ones, you know, out there. We'll touch this kind of stuff right now. I mean, they, they're all everyone's so scared. All the big corporate ones, some of the independents, fine. But all the big corporate websites, they're all scared. They're scared for real pushback. They don't want the risk. They don't want sponsors to pull. But we need this message to get out there. I need you to help me with it. BuckSexton.com. Go to it. Please share it on your social media. It's, I've all, we posted on Facebook. We posted it on Twitter. You can just reshare on Facebook or retweet it. On Twitter, um, we've got to get the word out, and and I think, uh, I, team, I'm I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. I need people to read this and say he's right. We are losing. Time to turn this around and get fired up. You want Trump to win? Here's a way to help that happen. All right. Um. Now, since I, that was like, I mean, I could be the coach in Mighty Ducks, producer Mark. That's how good that was. Eh, I don't know if you're a Gordon Bombay. No offense. He's legendary. Wow. Legendary. Chad, first up here, if you want to send us anything on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Producer Mark is also pulling all kinds of great audio from our voicemail box. No dirty talking, Producer Mark, by the way. He's a married man, all right? Just, just going to put that out there. Someone, Team Buck, get a little saucy sometimes. Our Producer Mark doesn't want to have to earmuff himself because you're saying saucy things to him. I'm immune to this stuff by now. Yeah, fair enough. Chad writes into the roll call first off. He says, Buck, with Cuomo's new threat of closures as punishment, it's time to escape from New York while you can. Apparently, protesters and rioters are the only class of citizens that may have freedom to freely move about the city. I can assist with an extraction ops plan when you are ready for freedom. Chad, don't think it hasn't crossed my mind, man. New York is in bad shape right now. New York is in a uh, tough situation. That is for sure. There's no question about it. So we shall see. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, Canada's not that far away, but Canada's run by a bunch of lib commie types, so we can't go to Canada. You know, Texas, everyone's talking to Texas. They're trying to shut you down. The lockdown libs are coming for you. You in Florida. They heard Team Buck. They heard the Freedom Hub might be moving. They obviously listen to the show. They got to monitor us and not just Media Matters scum, but actually, you know, the other other leftists. And, uh, you know, they know that producer Buck and uh, whoops, producer Mark and Buck moved down to uh, Florida or Texas. We're going to help keep those states red forever, baby. So now they're trying to lock it, lock them down. So they prevent us. That's my theory, producer Mark, and I'm sticking to it. So you just want another reason to blame the libs for something. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know where where does one go? 
Where does one go that the craziness has not already extended? Evan writes, when I, Buck, when I initially saw the SCOTUS decision to not allow trans discrimination, I didn't think much of it. I actually thought that's what the law already was. After listening to your take on it, I realized what a blow to liberty it really is. May God help us. Well, Evan, I, I appreciate you um, giving, me the, uh, giving me the credit here for bringing you around to my, my point of view on it, uh, which I think is the legally accurate one, which is that now the, the lawsuits that will come from this and the ways that this will be, you know, remember now the legal machinery gets up and then now they're going to be thinking what's the best way tactically to bring lawsuits, to get institutions to bend the knee, uh, what's the best way to attack you know, the nuclear family, all these Marxist ideas that are out there that that BLM is representing. And my friends, we are. Remember, libs cry and freak out because they say the Supreme Court is so conservative. What was the last big conservative victory the Supreme Court handed down? D.C. v. Heller. They didn't take any additional Second Amendment cases this time around. Why? Oh, OK. So you can kind of have a gun in your home if you jump through endless hoops in liberal jurisdictions and pay a fee and go through all these hurdles, then you can kind of have a gun in your home. Can you take it out of your home? Can you open carry? Can you conceal carry? Can you transport it to a second location? None of that is covered in D.C. Heller. Are assault weapons in common usage or not? Can they be banned? All that's wide open. Supreme Court doesn't want to take any cases to deal with anything on the Second Amendment right now. This is our so-called conservative-leaning Supreme Court. It's a joke. A joke. But, I mean, I'm uh, trying to just deal with the reality we're in, my friends. Uh, Oh, yeah, Obamacare? Two times saved by the Supreme Court. Two times. Uh, What's the big big victory for conservatism the Supreme Court has handed? Oh, that's right. You can't think of one because it hasn't happened. Oh, Bush v. Gore. You got to go back 20 years. And that was pretty straightforward. It's, hey, Libs, stop cheating the election you lost. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't really a big legal question. It's you can't keep trying to game the system to get the outcome you want. That's not how elections work. Bush is president. Go, go cry, Libs. That's all that was. Pretty, pretty obvious, pretty straightforward. Okay, Citizens United. Producer Nick says Citizens United. The government was saying they could ban books before publishing books before an election. I mean, yes, that was a good thing. But, wow, it's hard to think of that as a sweeping victory for liberty. It just means that we're not living in a left-wing uh, ideological echo chamber entirely at the behest of the government. But, and, the, oh, the libs hate Citizens United, too. They cry about that one all the time. Kristen. Hey, Buck, thanks for covering the Brooks incident so fairly. Just one point about it. Brooks was found sleeping in his car in the Wendy's drive through which prompted them to call the police. It's not so much that his keys were in the ignition. He had driven into the drive through proving he had driven while under the influence. Too many are just saying he was sleeping in his car when that wasn't the case. Kristen, good catch, good detail. Thank you for that. Um, when they said, though, in the drive through I, I wasn't clear to me when I read it if they meant that he was blocking the drive through lane with his car or not. It seemed that that was what was going on. Producer Mark, do you know? I took it as that he like went up, pulled up to the drive-thru to get some food and just didn't move his car. Okay, so that, that is then, yeah, so that's understandable why people call the police. You're obstructing a business from operating, and you clearly are driving, and you're clearly drunk. So he's a drunk driver. 
So we should just, the guy's a drunk driver. I mean, he was a drunk driver. Now, that doesn't mean you should be killed, but if we're going to talk about the incident accurately, he was a drunk driver. All right. And then it turns into a use of force issue and, and how that all went down. I think that, uh, as I've said, it's, it seems harsh and it is tragic, but I do not think, I do not think the cops were uh, criminally in the wrong. I do not think that that's the case. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, Todd, hello, Buck. I just listened to Rush read your tweets. Thank you for taking a stand for conservatism. I'm glad your message made its way to Rush and that it moved him enough to share it with his audience. We conservatives need to band together now more than ever. This is the time to draw the line in the sand and say enough is enough. Shields high. Todd, thank you very much. It was quite a thing when El Rushbo read my entire tweet thread on his show. That was pretty cool. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Since it was brought up by a listener, here it is. Here is a Rush on his show yesterday. Many of you might remember the former guest host on this program, Buck Sexton of the CIA. <laughs> I love it. He always says I'm of the CIA. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been the CIA a long time ago. Now I like to think of myself as Buck Sexton of the Buck Sexton Show, but Rush was very generous reading all my tweets on his show, and here's how some of it went. If one of the conservative billionaires out there has any stomach for saving their country from this mob, they should buy and flip a major media platform or fund a new one and make it an unsinkable aircraft carrier of true free speech. And I get this a lot. I've had this question of why doesn't some wealthy conservative come along and buy CBS or ABC or anything else? I don't know. I have no idea. I happen to know that a bunch of people who have bought networks are not flaming leftists, and they never do anything to change the news networks that are part of the corporations that they have purchased. Uh, Buck Sexton continues, we are completely outgunned in the platform wars, and it's only getting worse. Yep. So Rush read, uh, it was almost uh, a dozen or so tweets that I had that went viral on this issue about the platform wars and how we are way behind and conservatives need to stop thinking. Our mentality has been if we play nice, if we play fair with the other side, we will finally win them over to at least being fair. No, that will not happen. That is not what the, that is not where this is going. So I just wish everybody would understand that right now and and recognize that they are not looking to just give us only a little piece of the pie in the media they are looking to cancel us to to rub us out to push us aside to destroy our platforms all of it Um, erase us that's what they're looking to erase our point of view from the public sphere that's the game they're playing and we're playing the oh wait but what if what if we only have Mitt Romney-style conservatives? What if they are the one? No. No. Bad. Very bad indeed. Um, Maureen. Uh, hello, Buck and producer Mark. I loved your rallying cry to the urgency of our potential demise. We are in trouble, and we do need to be on the offensive and organized. But to do what? How do we st- uh, stop the Supreme Court from their lunacy? How do we stop rogue governors from overreach? The right never gets any airtime or publicity. 
The DNC media only ever shows an all hate all the time leftist screed only. So what is the right to do? 98% of us don't know how to fight back against the DNC propaganda media machinery. We love you and producer Mark. So please tell us how to fight back against all of this. Well, Maureen, it depends on, you know, what you do and what your risk tolerance is and where you are. And but the but the first step is understand what's happening and understand what your principles are and try to defend them and spread them at every opportunity, whatever that means for you, whether that's just in one on one conversations that come up in your day to day life or if that's in a willingness to share your thoughts on social media. It's to support the people that are out there in public, whether it's politicians or people in the media or, you know, writers, authors, analysts, commentators who, who are doing that work. And I, I and I always admit this, that that obviously is in my own self-interest to say, but it's true. Uh, this is you know, there's a reason you know, I've canceled subscriptions from left wing newspapers that I used to pay for and read because I wanted to know what the bad guys were thinking. But now I just I don't want to give them any more money. So I'm done with that. Right. I, I you know, I try to take actions in my own life. Um, I buy books from people even that I could get for free because of my show. This is a big platform for the sale of books. I'll buy books specifically because I want to support that author, that historian, that commentator. You know, they're all of these little actions. If everyone just has in their mentality that we all are making, uh, we're all making decisions that affect this overall battle every day, then taken all at once or taken all together, I should say, can make a real difference um, and can put us on a trajectory to have them or can put us back on the right trajectory and can give us back the momentum. April, Buck and Producer Mark, banana bread with chocolate chips is yummy. But if you haven't tried banana bread with butterscotch chips, you are missing out. I have to agree, I have to disagree about Mozart. Whoa, April. He was great, but classical music is just so stiff. Beethoven was the father of the Romantic era, and without him, we would not have music like it is today. I highly recommend the movie Immortal Beloved if you haven't seen it. Gary Oldman is masterful at the part, and it has an outstanding and gut-wrenching soundtrack. The story centers around wistful, passionate love letters that Beethoven wrote to a mystery woman. True story, and the movie is beautiful. Please check it out. Hmm. Maybe I will check that out, actually. Okay, so you mean classical as in the era. Usually people think of classical music as the broad sweeping term for all music that includes Baroque and classical and romantic. Uh, you you mean, the spe- mean the specific era that Mozart was in. I don't know. I, I mean, April, look, I gave Beethoven a shout Beethoven, if you like Bill and Ted. I gave Beethoven a shout out on the show, too. I mean, those, I, mean I think they're the two greatest of all time. They are the, um, you know, the goat and the, the other goat. I don't know what you'd say, but they're the two greatest of all time. So, uh, but I, I, Mozart, look, Mozart's a genius, you know, Mozart is like the MacGyver of classical music. (laughs) Does anyone even remember MacGyver? Guy had a mullet and would take a pen, an old apple and three rusty nails and make like a transistor radio out of it. Never used guns either, but somehow always the bad guys just were in the right spot in the right time for him to throw kind of one good punch at them. You never even watched that show, did you, Producer Mark? You have no idea what I'm talking about. I only know what you're talking about because of the SNL sketch and I think movie MacGruber where they mocked it. Yep, 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 yep. That's right. Well, everybody, that's going to be the show for today. BuckSexton.com about wartime conservatism. Please, please go read it, share it, tell people about it. Back tomorrow when we will be wartime conservatives. Shields high.